For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Let's Run's Tech Track Talk. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson. Folks, we're going all in on the world cross country. Our second podcast in two days. We'll probably do another one tomorrow, three for three. What a week. We're so excited. On today's show, we're going to talk to the two men from Let's Run.com that have been on the ground, that have seen the world cross country course in our Denmark. And more importantly, folks, we're going to catch up with the sensation, the viral sensation, Kelsey Bruce, the woman who's taken the running world by storm, her inspirational story. My co-founder, Weldon Johnson and Jonathan Galt, have both met her in person. We have a 20-minute interview with her, so it's going to be fantastic. Guys, I'm really excited that I haven't actually met Kelsey because she has a mythical status for me. So very excited to listen to this interview later on today. But uh, how has the, the day been? Train ride to co- from Copenhagen to our house. You've seen the course. You've seen Kelsey. Which was the highlight? Robert, the legend of Kelsey Bruce has grown even more. After 17 hours of flight, seeing the course, oh my gosh, this course, we will get into that. It is crazy. No one has seen anything like this. You have to listen to this. No one has seen it. But Kelsey, you know, takes a 45-minute nap, goes and sees this ridiculous course, and then we go to dinner, and she buys our dinner. I was so shocked, and she was so insistent. I just was like, what? And this was like a high-end establishment. John went all out today. Picking I, I, I was—I accidentally—I uh, was looking at the restaurant, and the prices look reasonable. And then I realized I was looking at the lunch menu, and we were there for dinner, and the dinner prices were not very reasonable. And I mean, it was high-end food. That's what we got. And I was kind of just hoping we would get somewhere it was good portions. I felt awful. Kelsey ordered like the ravioli. She got like three pieces of ravioli. The food was good, but it was very small portions. It shows the legend, the gratitude. Texan. She's a Texan. She's a good person. She's acting like we flew her to the moon or something. This is unbelievable. Anyway, yes, we have met Kelsey in the flesh. Robert, we have another person that we're sending out to Will Cross. I don't know if you want to get into that at some point or just maybe we tease it now and use it later in the show. But there is a second Let's Run runner that will be racing for us on Saturday. I can confirm it. I've written my first profile in probably five years in Let's Run.com, the in-depth exclusive of the mail that will be competing at Will Cross. His story is phenomenal. Really phenomenal. We'll get into that at the end of the show. But guys, let's talk about the course. Before you even got there, I woke up this morning, started working on links for the website. I I saw some stuff on Twitter where people have been to the course, and I got excited. And I'm like, I can't wait for them to write the the official Let's Run preview. I'm going to start linking to quotes from Matt Baxter, the former NAU star, had a 10-point. It was great. 10 points of Twitter on how difficult the course was, and I started the thread on it. Fantastic thread if you haven't seen it. But I, I said that the course, early course reviews were in, and the course was living up to the hype. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, the course, A, it looks great. But B, I would say in terms of the hype, this thing is way harder than I thought it was going to be. I was talking I was talking to Jacob Larson, the meat director, essentially. He's the director of the local organizing committee. You know, he, he wasn't really playing up the difficulty. He was, we were talking about the features. I thought it was really creative, all the different features they had. This thing is... I don't even, a beast. I think that's the best word for it. It starts out with 400 meters, first 400 meters, you're just climbing, keep climbing, and then you get to sort of a full 
flat and then you keep climbing after that until you're at the beer tent. And that's about 72 feet in the first 400 meters. In World Cross, people take off their sprinting really fast at the start of these races. Like World Cross, I don't know if they were sub 60 in Uganda, but they were, you know, maybe that pace of the first 200. And this course, you're not going to be able to run that fast because if you run that fast up that hill, you're just going to be dead. You're not going to have anything left. There's several more very tough climbs and they're all felt followed by very steep downhills. The footing is, it's not forgiving. It's like tough farmland. And so if you're going down it, your legs, your quads are just going to be pounding and pounding and pounding. Then you finally get to back to the regular, the start side of the course. And there's the Mosgard Museum, which is one of the toughest sections of any course I've ever seen The with the steepness of it and the length of this thing. It's a 10% grade, which doesn't sound that much people, but you have to see this thing. The Canadian team, we watched them running around the course today. They were just walking up it when they were doing their course tour because it's brutal. I, you, can, you can't jog up this thing without starting to breathe heavily. It's just insane. It's a beast of a feature. And they have to run this thing five times. This is the hardest cross-country course start to finish that I've ever seen in my life. So it's the toughest course you guys have ever seen. But putting it in perspective for me, John... We have our East Coast bias here at Let's Run.com. Now we're all East Coast elites, Ivy Leaguers. That's a joke, people. But um, seriously, can you compare it to like the Cemetery Hill, the hill at Cemetery Hill on Van Cortland Park? Like, how does the hill compare to that? Let me interrupt here, Robert. There's no comparison. Matt Baxter, who now runs for NAZ Elite, former NAU star, his Twitter thread on this ended. And people think this is like a joke. The age-old debate of what hurts more between childbirth and being kicked in the nuts has been changed to childbirth or World XC 2019 Aarhus. I mean, this thing is crazy. Cemetery Hill would be like a blemish on the start of this race. The race starts straight uphill, massive uphill, and this the rest of the time rolling. I've never seen a hill like this outside of a mountain. It's not as steep as a mountain, but it's crazy. It goes straight at the beginning. You do that thing five times. When you come back down and after all these rolling hills and you run on top of the building, I thought, oh, running on top of a building sounds like nothing. It's a 10% grade. Okay, that sounds like much as John said. Think of like a 25% grade or something, which you would think is way higher. It's the most ridiculous hill I've ever seen on a cross-country course. That's like Van Cortland, but way steeper. Yeah. When was the last time you raced up Cemetery Hill well then? I mean, that hill's still pretty tough. Coming where it does, it comes with a four-mile walk of a five-mile race. But yeah, this thing's brutal. This hill's coming at the... One mile mark. It's coming every 2K, basically, with like okay, right towards the end of each loop. It's just brutal. Yeah, if you'd run up to Cemetery Hill five times and when you got to the top of it, you immediately turned around, sprinted straight back downhill, and then ran straight back up the hill three, three times as long. Yeah. There's just no comparison to anything like this. And we're going to have to redo some of our previews. That's my big takeaway is that I went into this race thinking there are five guys that can win. There are, these guys are going to be the medal contenders. And now I'm just thinking, this course is a much bigger X factor than I thought. There are going to be these guys coming out of the woodwork. You've got Joel Ayeko. He's a Ugandan. He was the silver medalist at the World Mountain Running Championships in 2017. This guy could be a podium threat now because hill running and running, mastering these downhills, which are going to be equal, well, not equally brutal, but really brutal in your quads. That's going to be a very important thing into who or medals and who succeeds on Saturday. Well, we'll see. You know, we've always had these debates. You know, is a mountain runner a sideshow or actually they legitimate runners? I still think that to me, we may be overplaying this. I mean, obviously, first of all, when's the last time Weldon ran Van Cortland Park? Hill, I'm not sure he ever ran up that hill fast. I mean, never top 30 in the Ivy League. Come on. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of NCA Cross. When it rains, it helps the people with the best endurance. When it's muddy, Mark Wetmore's guys, the Colorado guys, 
it benefits them. The stronger runner does better. So whether it's a hill or not, I still think the fittest person is going to help more of a 10K person. It's going to help Kelsey Bruce. It's going to make it more like a half marathon than a 10K. So, it, But it'll be interesting. Yes, it is it's an X factor. The, the, the real question I have, guys, is, is it fair? We've started the thread. It's called Boots on the Ground at World XC. The course is living up to the hype and getting rave reviews. I put a couple posts on there, and then employee 1.1, Steve Soprano, he said he just read some articles where Steve Cram and, and, and Paula Radcliffe, I think some people misunderstood them. They're quoted in the BBC saying, like, look, is this turning into an obstacle course? Are they going too far, or is it still – we want it to be about the who's the best runner. Do you still think it's about running and not a sideshow? Yes. I wouldn't even say it's borderline, but this is still a foot race. We're talking to David Katz, IWF, course measure extraordinaire, technical one of technical people, maybe technical director for this race. And as he said, the gun goes off, you run the distance, and whoever comes across first wins. There's no – climbing over walls or whatnot yeah there's no fire or knee-deep mud i mean it's 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 a running test absolutely it's a it's stressing some different skills of elite running than past world crosses or the track for sure but it's a running race this is not some gimmick of an event great fantastic i i want to give a shout out to two message board posters went back-to-back posts neither one of them was registered one was b-u-c-z I think they misinterpreted the, the, the Radcliffe and Cram comments a little bit, but they said, wrote, shame on Radcliffe and Cram that they have such a narrow viewpoint on running. I don't know what it is like to be a regular person who watches running. I wonder if they see a world record or a great race. Since elites these days have become so meticulously technical with their training, it can take them, it can make them incredibly weak in the face of outside circumstances. This course brings back the, those outcasted demons of uncontrollable nature, quote unquote, which I think sets up a great race. I hope to see the top tiers get their clocks cleaned by a nail-eating no-name tough SOB. When Yuki Kawauchi won Boston, I was screaming at the whole time. Any marathon rup, Galen Rupp ever won, I thought quality to myself, dot, 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 neat. So he likes it. He loves it. I'm assuming it's a he. It could be a she. And then the next post, time to sack up, ladies and gents. That's the poster's name. Says, I love this comparison. Let's compare it to golf. It seems like a U.S. Open type course. Super tough borderline too tough, but it will be entertaining to watch the world's best struggle through and push themselves to the absolute limit. Not everything is a perfectly manicured track slash Augusta National. There's room for both in the sport. Fantastic post, people. Thank you very, very much. Very exciting. That's a genius analogy. I think the U.S. Open golf, and was it last year in whatever it was out in Long Island? Shinnecock Hills or whatever. Shinnecock Hills. Shinnecock Hills. They souped up the course too much. And a lot of the pros complained, well, somebody still won the golf tournament. They've never taken a world cross country too far, and they're sort of pushing the boundary. It's great. And I don't think they're going to say at the end of it, it's too far, but someone you've never heard of possibly could win. But we, we line them up on the track. We shoot the gun off. and You know who's going to win it. Give me two or three names, and there's usually not much debate. This could be very different. It's going to be great. I think it'll be good television. Who knows? Maybe it's effing television. Terrible television. But I hope people are watching. We don't know what the hell is going to happen. I mean, I'm still back in Hank Camworo for the win. I just want to go on the record. I'm still betting Jeffrey Camworo. But I don't know if you do. You feel do you feel more or less confident? in – I'm assuming would you have picked him? And do you feel more or less confident in him after mm-hmm. seeing the course? I think I'm less confident. I wasn't sure I was going to pick him to begin with, and now I just don't know. How do I know he's like a good mountain runner? This isn't total mountain running, but if we had a full fledged mountain race. I don't know if I'd pick one of these guys. You'd need some specific training for it. And this one's still cross-country, but sort of pushed up as high as with mountaineering as you can do. So that definitely could change things. 
it's going to be great. I think if you line these guys up and time trial them on this course, one, I wouldn't want to see them have to do five five laps because they could severely mistime it. I think guys could be just severely falling apart, like hitting the wall like in a marathon. But I think you could see guys not running within a minute and a half of each other who are on a track might be within 15 seconds of one another. It, it's just so unpredictable. By the way, guys, I watched that video y'all talked about on yesterday's podcast of Kennedy Sebekili losing the World Cross Country Championships in Mombasa, Kenya. I had never seen the video. Of that. that was amazing. So good shout out there. If you know what I'm talking about, look at the link on the Let's Run homepage to the podcast. We have the video link to it at the bottom. Guys, the baby is up and I'm going to have to get out. We're trying to make this podcast quick. We've already been going for like 15 minutes. So I think we only have a few more minutes left anyways. So I'm. Um, can I introduce the male runner that we're going to be sending to World Cross Country? Yeah, should we do a drum roll? John, you're going to like it. He's living in London, but he's an American. So he's sort of like the opposite of, of John. John was born in London, but now lives in America. Born in England. So John was born in Britain. We have more than one city. Yes. So we're going to be sending a guy by the name of Matt Crow, and he has an amazing story. He has run 1357 for 5,000, but the story of how he got to 1357 after running 1540 for 5,000 in college at Florida Gulf Coast University what? is pretty amazing. Yes, 1540 was his collegiate 5,000-meter PR. That was run in 2012. Oh, so Abby D'Agostino would have been crushing him in college. Wow, I hadn't thought about that. Dom, it's finest. Even later. As recently as 2014, this is t- two years after college. This is six years after he graduated. He graduated high school in 2008. He went to community college one year. He had still had a PR of 1518. He ran 1518 in 2014 on the roads. And then the next year, he finally got under 15 minutes. He ran 1444. He actually ran, went from 1518 to 1429 that year. But was far from satisfied. You think you come down from 1540 to 1429, you'd be thrilled. The next year, he was sitting in a cubicle in his office doing computer programming for the government with a windowless office. He said you had a key card end, and he said, screw it. I'm out of here. And he just went to the computer, printed up the resignation letter, and literally printed up on the spot and handed it to his boss. The boss laughed. The boss knew he was into running, and he thought, I only live once. I can come back to this my rest of my life. I'm going for it. And he said he really didn't know how to train. That's why he sucked in college. The coaching was, was quite subpar. He was running like 26 33s for 5K, and, and that was like the third man on the team. That's how bad their team was. He said there was one guy from Germany who had run like 1450. So he went to him and said, like, What should I be doing? He's like, Well, you're not running enough. He's like, You're running 45 to 65 miles a week. And I said, Well, why didn't you run like 45 to 55? He'd run like 65 like a few times. He's like, Why didn't that guy run more? He said, Well, that guy was hurt. He was a triathlete, so we didn't know to run more. He's like, Literally, we just didn't know. So he started running a little bit more, but he just, got down to 1444, that guy 1429. And then he said he still didn't know like enough about running. Like he says, look, if you go to Let's Run, you read some good stuff or you see a Steve Magnus on YouTube, you see like one workout, but you don't have a whole plan. You can't put it together. So he's, his plan was just to go out to Flagstaff and train with the pros. And he said that ended up being a big mistake. Moved to Flagstaff for four and a half months. He had researched that you could live for free on the A1 Mountain. Well, do you know what the A1 Mountain is? Oh my God. Yeah, he lived out there. Well, he camped out there? Yeah. Tried to get a bunch of like hop in with a bunch of pros. He said the pros for the most part were like, who's this joker? We're not letting him run with him. But he tried to do like the long runs with them. I'm pretty convinced he had to be anemic because he said he was running really badly. He left, went out to LA, joined a track club in LA and was delivering, like working for Uber, delivering cookies like for Pepperidge Farms. Well, illegally, like under the table, like with the cash payments and stuff. Anyways. 
What? He ran 13.57 last year. And you think that would be good. He said it was unsustainable living in LA. Too expensive. So he just upped and quit there. And you think, you know, you quit and have like a coaching plan. Nope. Just moves to London. He thought London was good because he'd be closer to Europe and that for it'd be cheaper to fly to, to Europe. He wants to run 13.30 this year. So he'll already, hey, he won't have to deal with jet lag when he gets over to these big races in Europe this summer. So it's pretty amazing. But we've got, I've got a long profile. It should be up, you know, later tonight. Are we going to have to secretly drug test this guy? Yeah, we probably should. I mean, our reputation's at risk. It, it's pretty amazing. But really, guys, again, what do he and Kelsey Bruce have in common? High mileage. He was 45 to 55 in college. He said last summer was the first time he got up to 90. And he said, yeah, I realized that um, the more I run, the better I do. So he's like, I just upped it to 110. And then I ran 1357. He's like, and then this year, he's pushing, he sent me his training. like He's pushed it up to 124 miles. So that was his peak. He's got like three months in a row over 100, like 104, 103, and 117 for three straight months. So I'm a little bit worried though, guys. Hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast between now and tomorrow. But we're talking about the course and... He's like, yeah, I'm just hoping to get in a rhythm, run hard, run fast. I'm like, dude, you're not, I hope you're not a rhythm runner because you're not getting a rhythm in this race. And he's like, yeah, some people probably would call me a rhythm runner. So that made me a little nervous. You're just out here to do your best, man. We'll coach him up. Uh, this guy's amazing. And the mileage that he's doing is really impressive. But like, check this out. I'm like, well, if you're running your races, he's like, well, I did one indoor race. He's been in Germany training. He only has two days that he's allowed to leave London because you can only be in certain parts of Europe on your passport or something. Anyways. He said, I ran one into a race. I'm like, what'd you run? He ran 820, which sounds terrible considering 1357 and be 822 pace. I'm like, really? He's like, no, that's an indoor PR for me. He's like, last year I went to BU, I only ran 826. He's like, I basically try to run mileage and then I use the 3K to get my 5K pace down. So that was an indoor PR for him. So he's really excited. He's like, look, I signed up. He's like, I saw it on your website and I thought, look, the top pros are going to be scared to do this. One, he's like, they're very meticulous. Anything, he's like, they're not going to hop in the last minute. And two, he's like, they've got more to lose. He's like, I think some of them are scared of the Kenyans. He's like, they've got contracts to protect, reputations to protect. He's like, look, I got nothing to lose. And he says this repeatedly. He's like, I know I suck. So I'm trying to get faster. So I don't think 1357, you suck. And it's really a cool story. Literally, I put the email that he sent me and it was that quick. I mean, I read it to you guys and repeatedly, he just says, screw it. I'm going to run. And he's done it. I mean, he's done it his own way. And it's it's pretty amazing. His training partners. So he, he moved to London with no, he like literally Googles. Like when he moved to LA, he Googled like LA track club and found a coach that way. Google London track club, found a coach that way. His training partners, um, he trains on the Sir Mo Farah track at St. Mary's university, but his training partner is like a 43 or 46 year old guy who runs like 202 for 800. He's like, yeah, he just kind of like hops in some of my stuff and does like a mile. If I do like three also, he's blown off by a couple of California clubs. He said he emailed them or tech tried to Instagram them. Never heard back. So. They're done. They're done to us. All right, guys. I think I'm going to go. Baby Johnson, I think, is stirring. I will listen to the podcast with Kelsey, the interview. Yes, we have Kelsey coming up. And speaking of people being done, this is the IAAF Mickler World Cross Country Championships. I can't ever remember there being a title sponsor, which is cool. So Mickler Beer is our new favorite beer. And we've been reading. We're only halfway through a fascinating article in the New York Times about the rivalry between the identical twin brothers. One, the Mickler guy, our guy, we got him, the good twin, and then the evil twin. The, he actually owns Evil Twin Brewery in the United States, and these guys are battling it in breweries like throughout the world. So 
We definitely at letsrun.com. We may issue an official fatwa on this, but we're backing Nicola and this until we read up. But for now, do not drink evil twin beer. John. Yes. Do not drink it, people. John, I'm going to start my own website called evilrunning.com, and I'm going to take you from Weldon. I don't, I don't know what I would do if I got in the middle of a Johnson bidding war, assuming that you guys are actually I mean, you know, I fighting for me. I had this thing wrapped up, but Robert with Kelsey Bruce and now our 1357 guy, can you please give me the name again? Matt Crow. I forgot to put his job in there. I forgot how he, he survives now. He te- you can apparently you can teach English like online and like Skype calls. You make eighteen dollars an hour. He says like his pictures on the left and they're on the right. And there's a lesson plan in the middle. It says pretty good. Matt Crow will be here tomorrow. We'll take him out to the course. We'll teach him how not to be a rhythm runner one day. And seriously, we're starting a thread on Let's Run. We need to crowd surf this. Get some help for Kelsey and Matt because I really think some people who have ex- experience running sort of extreme hills could tell us what to do. Because jogging up one of these hills. I was debating whether I went any faster than the time before when I ran pretty hard up it. So maybe you should save your energy going up the hill and not really try to push yourself because the amount of time you win going up the hill by putting in a lot more energy could be minuscule. I really wonder if there's some science behind this. So if anybody knows, email us. But Robert, go take care of the baby. Matt's like you. He said he's good at going downhill. Well, then. Thank you. That's good. There's a lot of downhill on this course. But yeah, I think... uh... That's going to do it for this section. We got a good interview with Kelsey Bruce coming up. You're going to love her. Um, Texas Rangers opening day. We'll be watching the game here. Shortly. Yeah, defending World Series champion Boston Red Sox. Actually, they're going to kick their season off in uh, less in about an hour at Seattle. So, uh, are we going to do another show tomorrow where we make predictions, or is this it? No, we're definitely doing a show tomorrow because we have to get Macro on the podcast. I'm not sure how he can do it because he'll be staying here. John and I can't make noise. We gotta coach these guys. Yeah, up no tomorrow. crazy parties, which is unfortunate because we have a huge apartment here in Aarhus. But there is a free party for the media tomorrow. I, mean, I think for anyone, anyone actually running. Yeah, Twitter, if you're in Aarhus, there's a Mikola uh, Run Club event. They're running at five o'clock, and then there's going to be a party with beer at uh, one of the Mikola locations in Aarhus. It's going to be great. There's a Facebook event for it. You guys can find that out, um, and we will plan on. I mean, running and free beer. That sounds like a, a party to me. So I think we'll try to hit that up. Weldon's just checking flights right now. Last-minute flights to Aarhus that will get you here in time for the race. I'm checking. I'm not optimistic we're going to find much here. That's Friday, April 12th, so that's uh, about two weeks from now. Okay, I'm going to have a final shot. You're going to fly in right now, uh, March 28th. Anyone who wants to leave on Friday, Friday to Monday. We're looking up itineraries, flying out on Friday, March 29th. You can get... In oh, well, it gets you in on Saturday at eleven fifty-five a.m. These two, these are getting us in too late, Weldon. <sighs> yeah, I don't think you're going to do that. If you haven't booked your flights to Aarhus by the time you're listening to this podcast, it's probably too late if you're coming from the United States. But if you're from Europe, hop on a flight real quick and make it over. Yes, our European listeners, we know there's a lot of you now. Actually, we've met some of you today. You got no excuse. You got to be here. See the hill for yourself. It'll. I guarantee it lives up to the hype. See the hill to yourself. Free Mickler beer tomorrow. Everyone else, go find a Mickler beer. Drink it tonight. Coming up next, here she is, the one and only Kelsey Bruce. All right, everyone. We are the boots are definitely on the ground. We are in Aarhus, Denmark, with the honor to be joined by Kelsey Bruce in the flesh, the Let's Run.com entrant in the World Cross Country Championships. Kelsey, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you and Jonathan. It's been a long day from you, and 
if you don't run well, it's our fault because instead of coaching you, we're making you do a podcast. So you should be eating. You should be sleeping. How many hours did it take to get here? 17. 17 hours. You only slept 45 minutes. And then we dragged you out to the course. And now before eating, we're making you do a podcast. Hey, but I made y'all run with me. So we're even. Okay. And the big story of the day was we went to the course. Yes. Wow. I don't know. I mean, it's so hard. That's the big thing that struck me. I've just never seen a tougher cross-country course. And they may exist. They may be out there. So I'm pretty sure there's someone shaking their fist like, oh, you think that's real cross-country? Look at this. But to me, the courses I've seen, nothing compares to that one. I've seen hills. I've seen hilly courses. I've seen hills. But that one is the toughest, and it has the biggest hill. Yeah, we need a new word. Like, course doesn't – like, this is completely different than anything else. Absolutely nuts. I don't know how from the course previous we weren't, we knew it was hilly, but these hills, they're more like mountains. It's crazy. There's a 10% pitch over the museum. We're driving out of there and there's a perfectly beautiful golf course with grass and sort of, you know, more like a British link style golf course. That would be a tough yeah, cross country yeah. course in America. And well, Kelsey, you, signed, well, you didn't know what you're signing up for, right? Yeah, Weldon um, and I were joking that if you walked, would it be faster than running up the hills is how steep we're debating they are. And so what percentage would the grade have to be for it to be more efficient to go slower than to go faster? Yeah, I mean, because you're saving energy. You know, the people who are <laughs> sprinting up that thing are, if on the first two laps, they're going to be pooped by the end of the race. And, you know, I was saying... There are going to be people walking. There is no doubt in my mind, even in the senior races with these experienced professional runners, there'll be people walking out that thing on the final lap because there's going to be people that go out too hard and that thing is too steep and too long. It's like a 10% grade for 100 meters. Someone's going to be walking. We're hoping that's not me. Yes, it won't be. Won't <laughs> I, be. I have faith in you, Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, I think also I'm going to, we're going to crowdsource this. I'm going to post on Let's Run. Any of you mountain runner people, Please help us. We'll take all the advice we can get. Like, can, should you save a little energy going up the hill? So there'll be a thread on that. We'll have 24 hours to get Kelsey coached and ready. <laughs> yeah, let's rewind a bit, sort of, before you saw the course today. How'd you get here? You saw this opportunity. So, what was your mindset? So as it was covered before, Coach Phillips sent it to me. He is an avid Let's Run fan and fan of these guys. But he was like, hey, you should try. I said, there's no way I'm getting it. But sent the email and said, hey, we'll see, with actually no real expectation that I would be picked. And so that was kind of what made it really cool. And it just- It was like last Saturday or Sunday? It was Sunday, and I found out Monday. It is pretty crazy. Found out Monday and bought my flight for Wednesday, which is technically still today, because I haven't been to sleep (laughs) and to bed yet. So um, flew in today, found out technically two days ago and met these guys, huge fans. And I had seen a lot of reviews about how tough the course is going to be. And kind of was like, oh, well, maybe this might be to my strength a little bit, but it's so tough that I don't know that it can be anyone's strength, except I, maybe these mountain runners that we're talking about. Well, that's the thing we just found out. Stella Chesang, one of the Ugandan entrants, she's, I mean, she's an accomplished track runner. She's run like 15, 10 on the track, I think 31 low for 10K on the roads, but she's also a 2015 world mountain running champion. On this course, I really think that could help. I mean, I think I listed her as maybe an outside as a dark horse, but now you're going to think she could be a threat. I mean, Helen O'Beary is the best woman on paper on this race. You would think it was not even close, but on this course, 
we don't know how hell no pro runner runs these sort of hilly courses regularly not like this so nothing like half of like this we're not going to know how these people are going to handle it personally i think cam Warro, jeffrey cam Warro, he's the kind of guy i could see handling this thing pretty well he's just tough that guy's a beast and this course is a beast but obiri i mean who knows i think stella chesang being a world mountain running champion certainly helps run this course and puts her a serious metal threat now yeah i thought steeplechasing might help people because I thought coming here, like, oh, there'll be a few hills and there's a mud pit and some water. The mud pit and the water, well, I'm speaking for you, <laughs> Kelsey, but they're like, seem to me the least of somebody's concerns in that course. Maybe the water, not so much the mud pit. I'm actually pretty worried about the mud pit. Yeah, the mud pit. I mean, it could be torn out. Yeah. If you're running because we're the, the fourth the race, third race, that's fourth true. race. Yeah, but the only one of the pro races that's off to you guys is senior men, I think. So mm, okay. they're going to have the two junior races and the mixed relay on the course beforehand. Yeah, so it'll be the fourth race oh, on there. Mopet could be pretty bad. But, but the water was like a joke, right? Yeah, the water the water was pretty thin. I think, Court, like you said, uh, Courtney Ferrix might have a really good shot tomorrow to be in contention for, for the front because she is a steepler and it'd be really strong for her. But we got to talk to some of the technical designers of the course and they, I liked what they said about it. It's just basically running in its purest sense of we picked a spot and we pick some hills and you run around and you get to the finish line first. And I think that's really cool Yeah. part of what we're doing and the athletes are doing this weekend. What was David Katz's advice to you, Kelsey, about <laughs> handling the course? He said, what goes up must come down. And I'm going to have to recite that over and over in my head this weekend. Well, the thing is with some of these downhills, though, like sometimes if you climb up a lot and it takes you a while to climb up, you get a nice gentle downhill, you sort of regain your energy. And this course is not like that at all. You basically climb and then you're going sharply immediately downhill. And the only one that's, it's interesting on the museum roof, you go straight up the hill. But I think if you went straight back down it, it would be too steep for people. People will be falling down, they'd be tripping over their feet. So they made it sort of an S turn. So you got to go in and out. It's still pretty steep going down that way, but it lessens it a little bit just because you're running diagonally and not immediately down. And when you come off that museum, the steepest point of the museum, it's a hairpin turn back up. So you don't even get to use your momentum from the down to help you part of the way back up. Yeah. So. And then you're climbing immediately to get back to the main start area again. And then when you turn for the finish and you're battling for the win, there's another it's going to be hard for you, you know, straight to a downhill. Yeah. The downhill of this, the finish of this course, we need to talk about that as well. Because we were working on Kelsey's celebration when she crosses the tape. <laughs> Anyone can win this one. The finish is crazy though, because you get you finish the museum roof portion, you get to the downhill, and there's this berm that's about 200 meters to go. And then you do a little bit more climbing around that hairpin turn, and then you climb, and you do another hairpin turn to go back down, and then it's 140 meters of of just downhill, and you're basically these guys are going to be flying if they, assuming they have anything left at this point after 10k racing, because the course is actually 10,000. 240 meters, according to David Katz. And I don't trust anyone more when it comes to course measurement. Yes, David Katz is like the Olympic marathon course measurer. He's the technical guy for a lot of these things, like the New York City Half Marathon two weeks ago. This meets, he's the guy when it comes to courses, putting on races and everything, so. He even pulled out a shark for the water pit. We, we were saying, how can you make this course any tougher? Maybe you put piranhas or you know electric eels in the water pit, and that would make it a little bit more difficult. But otherwise, it's kind of hard to imagine any more tougher obstacles they could put on this thing. Yes, inflatable shark. Well, I'm glad you called Robert's bluff. I mean, Robert himself said 
Robert's, you know, he can be full of a lot of talk. And he said, oh, I didn't think anyone would, might really submit. And, and I guess in some ways he called your bluff because you didn't think you'd be selected. But <laughs> I think yeah. it's cool. This course is nuts, but it's the purest form of running. The gun goes off. Everybody runs around and whoever comes back first or second or third or whatever, I mean, that's, that's how you judge it. And I think a lot of times in the sport, we're so focused on times and what people have run in the past and what they can do in the past. I think in some ways, I'm sure this course is, it's gotta be scary. It's gotta be intimidating, but you know, for a let's run person, like, yeah, yeah go get it. Like there's nothing to, to lose. If you think about it, like this is a cool opportunity. Very, very cool. And I just hope everyone knows that I'm super thankful for the support that everyone's kind of provided through this and through these guys and just the generosity that they've provided throughout all of this. And I have been blown away by these two and Robert and just who they are as people outside of who they are as, you know, running fans and everything else they do for the sport. And so this whole thing has been really cool for me to learn. And um, the course itself, like we're talking about, just a purest form of opportunity to run. I'm intimidated, like you said. At first, I was intimidated by the competition. But as good as the field is, they're amazing. I think the course is more intimidating than they are. So I don't know how much intimidation you can add to it, but I'm really excited to be a part of it. And uh, it kind of takes out all the glamour the course does. Right. It just makes it into to grit. It's an equalizer. That's the big thing. We were talking about this. I mean, the one thing... As we all love the sport of running, but you get to some of these track files, either the NCAAs, the World Championships, the Olympics. Usually the best guy, the fittest guy, you kind of know, it, it's fairly predictable. You run the times, you see what times people have run, you see what races they've won. And you think, well, this is going to be first, second, third. This race, you really don't know because we don't, like I said, we, didn't have, we don't have a lot of evidence for people running on races like this. And you think, you know, if it's really brutal conditions, that could bring in people who wouldn't normally be factors. It might have some of the upset factor, like, you know, the March Madness, the NCAA tournament's going on right now. And a, a 13 could be to four or a 12 could be to five. It doesn't mean they're a better team, but on that day, they're better. And this is one of the courses that could be an equalizer and allow for those sort of 12 over five, 14 over three upsets. If you were in the course by yourself with no one else out there, it would be intimidating. I mean, if it you I think first you're coming here, I'm going to go race <laughs> the best of the world. That's intimidating. And it's like, you see the course and I think anyone that, Everyone just first is like, wait, how do I do this? How do I conquer this? I think if you honestly you put everyone out there, took the five best runners in the world and said, like, go time trial this. I think their times could be like two or three minutes apart. Yeah. But if you did that on the track, they're going to come in you within, know, within seconds, yeah. 10 seconds, 30 seconds or yeah. something. You know, maybe if time trial and they didn't have anything to go off of. This is just totally uncharted territory. It's crazy. I don't Thank think you anyone... for the kind words. Yeah, but, yeah, I don't yeah. Know if Robert paid you extra for those. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone can walk onto that course and be impressed with themselves. And I don't think you can really do that on that kind of course. It's kind of a humbling thing. I, I heard a thing one time that like nobody walks up to the Grand Canyon and says, I'm beautiful. Like, that's not what you're thinking. <laughs> like, I don't think you're thinking those thoughts when you come onto this course. I think you are like, I'm fast. You have to think I'm tough or I'm strong or different kind of qualities than we typically think on a track, a track race would, would take. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of a, a test, like people who think of themselves as cross country runners, as grinders, especially like, you know, the Americans, if you think, you know, as an American, Oh yeah, I'm a tough mudder. I do well in these tough conditions. I'm a, I'm a grinder. I'm a hill runner. This is going to be the, the proof is going to be in the pudding on Saturday. If you can succeed on this course, yeah, you can say I'm tough, I'm, I handle the adverse conditions, I can succeed on the hills because 
the the results are not going to lie on Saturday. And Weldon said he was going to sign up for the two K race. Uh-oh. Is what is what the latest updates were. You've been cold out there, Weldon. You got to do it now. I'm do the whole four by two K myself. Actually, beforehand they said you know you can do the whole four by two K relay yourself if you want to. No way. <laughs> I think it would be cool to race the Prince of Denmark. Him and Seb Co are doing the four by two K relay. So. I don't know. I don't know if I could take the prince. And I have immediate respect for the prince of Denmark. Can you imagine? Does he know what he's getting into? Does he know what he's getting into? Know, I haven't seen the have any other royals done this? And I have a new, I have a new um, sort of reality TV show. Our president is an ex-reality TV show, so maybe this is the future of politics. But we put all the royals in this race. And like, it's kind of like Premier League soccer. The loser is out. They lose the royal status. And then you have like lesser royals who try to... Lock that way up. Yes. So it's all based on running ability. I mean, seriously, I, I can't. There can't be many princes or kings or whatever who would. Because you can embarrass yourself. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can hurt your, or just. I, I, I don't know. So do the same principles apply as this weekend, whereas if you get lapped, you're pulled out of the race. Apparently, I learned that today, so that's my new fear <laughs> is not to get lapped. Yeah, yeah so let's figure what, what, seven minutes a loop, maybe? I mean, I, the when I first or? I heard of that rumor and. You know, if you go after you get pulled, and we can talk about this sort of Kelsey, what what are your goals coming in? You mentioned it on the bus, and I started thinking worst case scenario. It could happen to anyone, I think, out there. It's only five or six minutes, and I guess well, in the 10K, you think you're not going to find a minute, a minute, a mile behind somebody. It's, it'll probably be a little bit less than this because it's to me, this is 10K cross country with the hills and stuff. It's, it's like 42K. Yeah, it's more like <laughs> I feel like it's equivalent to doing a marathon. You could hit the wall. I mean, obviously, you're not out there as long, but. The tear in the body is more like no, yeah, it's going to take twenty five k hilly or something like. It's uh, going to take you days to recover from this, and actually, you know, I think we were critical of some of the Americans who chose not to run this race. And Shelby, good decision. The, yeah, honestly, <laughs> like Shelby Houlihan, you could easily tie an ankle. Like this course could do damage. You know, I don't. I now I'm not. I I think I need to stop criticizing people who said they weren't going to do it. Especially like Molly Huddle, she's got but, Boston. But John, no weeks. one knew at this no, course. Right? Really yeah, I don't think anyone knew. This is Jerry's, Jerry's smart guy. I don't know. Maybe he flew over here. But, but Molly Huddle, is she supposed to run? come back and run Boston? Hell no. I wouldn't want to run this race on that type of course and then wait. Like, you know, you have to fly back to where Arizona, where she was training, or Providence, and then you've got your legs just torn up. If you're trying to go all in on Boston. And maybe I know your pride, too. Right. <laughs> could be. But if you're trying to go all in on Boston, I know that, like, Salazar in the old days, he ran well cross and got, like, silver and then won Boston. But... This race is going to beat you up, and I, I don't blame her for skipping it and running Stanford perfect conditions 10K this weekend and stuff. Cross country, there's something about it that unites all runners. Maybe because there is a team aspect in, in college, and we're all part of that. But then there's something of just maybe the nature and purity of it all. We're all out there on the same course, and I guess in a road race it's the same, but it's there's not the camaraderie at road races. I mean, there is, but to a different extent, I think. For like us at Let's Run, we've always come to World Cross Country. We love World Cross Country, but at your Grand Canyon analogy was even more so. This course, I feel like unites us. We're all out there in cross country to begin with, but this course even so. Like anyone who survives this thing, it's yeah, we did it. Yeah, first place, last place, whatever. And the Grand Canyon, I love that place. Maybe one of my favorite places on earth. And when I went in Flagstaff, a lot of people would say, "Oh, hey, I'm going to see the Grand Canyon. Can you? Will you come with me?" I never said no, and I never got sick of it. Every time you would just go, wow. And I think it kind of humbles us, reminds us sort of our place 
and you know makes us sort of more accepting and sort of the beauty and awe of it all and the world and well i think this is a kind of race that people are going to be looking back at like 40 years from now and they're going to be saying hey did you run world cross in 2019 did you run ahus and people they'll be t- probably exaggerating the hills and it'll be that roof of the i don't museum. think you can't exaggerate the hills. i don't know they'll probably say it was twice as long as it was it is hard to exaggerate <laughs> you know seeing the pictures doesn't do it justice but I think people will just be saying this is a bonding experience. Like, yeah, I ran that edition of the World Cross. That was an epic one. That was an old timer. And I think that's what we could be in store for. I mean, I guess you've only had 72 hours to even think about this, but Kelsey, before you got here, what were your goals? Like, how were you thinking about the race? Has that changed since you got here? Beforehand, it's hard to have a goal, kind of like I said before, because everyone's just so talented. And I'm pretty much a no-name marathoner trying to come in and run. 231's pretty good. (laughs) Trying to come and run 10K. And I was really intimidated at first by the, like I said, by the competition and the speed of the ladies that I'm racing against that I'm not quite there yet. I'm not saying I will never get there and I'm not saying I'm not on my way because that's my goal and I'm going to keep working towards that. But, um, and I think it would be offensive to myself and Coach Phillips if I said like I'd never get there. But um, at this point in time, I don't think I'm there yet. But now I think my goal is to run as intelligently as I can and not go out over my head. I'm not good at um, being patient in races, but I also haven't raced this caliber of women on a cross country horse before. So I'm going to have to, or, or I'll learn. And that's kind of my, my new goal is to race intelligently and have a good experience over the course. And I think if you can do that, then you're going to have a good day. You can find a way to have a good experience with it. We were saying at the course, maybe it's like running an altitude or I don't know. I've never, maybe a mountain races like this. I don't know, but I feel like a marathon, you can, once you hit the wall, you're sort of done. And I, I didn't think I would think that was really a possibility in a cross country course. Sure. You can sort of be done, but then yeah. you, you know, okay, fine. You run 15 seconds a mile slower to the finish and whatever, you know? Well, that was kind of a comfort for me before I came in. I was like, cause my last bad race was New York. And I was like, when you're 17 miles out, you just can't gut through that. Right. Yeah. But I was like, 10 K. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we saw the course. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. No, you, I mean, you got to say something. You get to 8K and you still got to climb all those hills. You got to do the whole museum roof. You got to do the whole start area. I mean, it's just, it's brutal. If you don't have something for those climbs, you're going to get passed left and right. He has most of your experience sort of U.S. championships. It's like more than 10K, right? Half marathons. and Yes. Yeah. It's the shortest thing since college that I've done was the slower heat at Stanford last year in the 10K. That's the shortest thing I think I've done since college. Well, so real quick, give us like a, I don't know, the, we're 20 minutes, we gotta eat. You're the vast improvement of your running career. Okay, so high school, small school. Racketville, Texas, everybody. Racketville, Texas. Cool name. Hello to all my Racketville friends. What's the mascot? Racket Tigers, black and gold. Oh, that's a good one. My mom's from a small town in Texas. Not quite a small, Belton, Belton Tigers. Oh, it's the eye of the tiger. Yeah. (laughs) And had a pretty good little cross country team for a small school. We made it to state all four years. Shout out to Coach Brotherton. And then came to DBU, Coach Phillips recruited me. So were you like a 1A state champion all the time? Actually, no. We, there was a girl one year older than me that broke all the records. She finally graduated eventually and I won my senior year. So, and then another girl beat me in the mile and broke the record. I think she ran 505. It's pretty good for one. And then went to DBU, Coach Phillips recruited me, uh, liked that it was a Christian school, liked that I could grow in all aspects and that 
I wanted to be, like we said before, on a team that could qualify for the NCAA championships. I wanted to stay in Texas, proud Texan. And so I went to DBU throughout the four years. Coach Phillips did a really good job of a lot of very aerobic-based training. So it builds on top of each other. was able to get better each year at the end of the year. I think I PR'd every single year just because it built on top of each other. So fourth in cross your senior year? Yes. Fourth in cross as a four-time All-American. Fourth in cross. Fourth in steeple. Oof. I think I was sixth in the 5K indoors. And then eighth in steeple my junior year. And Julian did cross two times at the Nationals? Yes. 41st and then fourth. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, 40, I got 41st and I remember sitting with Coach Phillips in the airport being like, I am not even All-American. I'm not even good. <laughs> and which, I mean, it is good, but well, not. What had happened was, the two previous years? You didn't even make it. <laughs> I know. It was not. I felt like I, I wasn't who I wanted to be. I don't like to lose. And so I was like, what do we do? And like he said in the, the article, run more. And so moved out to Flagstaff, had some friends out there that, uh, yeah, we have that in common. I uh, had some friends out there that um, let me stay with them and trained that summer, came back and was fourth. Two weeks later, ran, after cross-country season, ran a half marathon and qualified for the trials. So how fast you run that in? 73.57. That's pretty good. Yeah. I was pretty happy with it. That's off my, that's still my half marathon PR off of 6K training, which it's still 100 miles a week. I don't know if you call it 6K training. 2015. 2015. And then trained for the trials, but got hurt kind of in the mix of that training for a couple weeks. So missed probably two or three good weeks of training. Ran 248. It's pretty slow. Most miserable experience of my life. Thought I was going to give up running because I was in LA. Walked quite a bit, walked my fair share in that marathon. And then had a great spring where we basically just all my hard runs were races, raced a couple US championships and then raced grandma's 236. And then that was in 2016. So when's the first time I could get like top 10 in a US championship? That spring, the spring before. Was that really cool? Yeah, it was super cool. My I first... remember what happened to me. I was like, <laughs> this is so unbelievable. Yeah, it's so cool. Even though not a lot of people know what road championships are, it was pretty no, cool to me. It's, or the first time you won prize money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was cool. actually, I think my first one was like 200 bucks oh. at the half marathon, but I was still pumped about it. It's like, I'm a professional. <laughs> You're living the dream. I remember I was at a US 10 miler and a guy literally like fell over and had a cramp in front of me and that put me in 10. <laughs> And Robert's like dancing coming down on the road. I'm like acting like I won the Olympics and, you know, I think I won $500. No, right. 500 bucks is cool. nice. Cool. I'm so glad you're selected. All right, keep going. Sorry. To go yeah, on. no, that's okay. And then uh, ran grandma's and then ran CIM to PR again to 234 and then ran New York. It was terrible. And then uh, kind of redemption was Houston. So there's not a lot of time between New York and Houston, right? No, no, New York's November, early November, and Houston's mid-January. Oh, wow. I don't think we really took a break. We took a couple days. So we took a pretty big break after Houston because I did two marathons back-to-back. And now the World Cross-Country Championships. Yeah, now the World Cross-Country Championships decided two days ago. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so did Coach Phillips, has he talked to you about how to run this or what the goals are? Not yet, or he won't do that. He just trusts you. He sent me a race plan and said, race hard. (laughs) <laughs> so that, that's the goal and I think that it really is the best advice you can give for this kind of yeah, I think hard's a pretty good description you're going to have yeah. to race hard on this course for sure the key to running right we're trying to get the most out of our body on that day I think this course sort of reminds us of that I think we forget like oh it's about times and splits or whatever no you're trying to do the best you can do that day yeah. 
and like God's given us these talents and you try to make the most of them that day. I think so much we get caught up in, sure, if you can win the race, you want to win the race. In reality, maybe everyone except for the guy who wins or girl, they're the only ones who can kind of hold back because everyone else is pretty much time trying behind them because they're getting yeah. beat. So, well, I think it's time for dinner. I agree. Yeah, my stomach's rumbling. All right. All the Kelsey Bruce fans out there, thank you. And thank this has been you. great. Well, first of all, wait, wait. Well, you're saying how great it was. We've been getting like emails left and right saying, oh, this is so great. Thank you. This is the best thing that's ever happened. I was saying, I have, there are people on the message board. They want to know how to stream the race. They're like, I have to see a run, run <laughs> well, the race. Well, I'm not going to be on the stream. So watch for those front runners. Watch because that's going to be pretty hot to watch. So Yeah, hopefully you don't show up getting left. So yeah, IAAF, that's the goal. We've been talking behind the scenes. IAAF Plus, it'll be their new revenue generator. You can follow <laughs> one runner. We'll follow don't you. do it. It's so not worth there. it. We'll have a drone. Yeah. And I hope I don't let any of you down no matter how I place this week. I'm just so appreciative to be here and excited for the opportunity and that everyone loves cross country. That's kind of the cool thing. Yes. Well, with that attitude, you can't let anyone down. Thank you so much. Thank you. Time for dinner.